Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we're talking about your Winnipeg in 2030, building belonging in our city. It's the vital conversation that took place Tuesday night, and we've got full coverage from the event, as well as conversations with some of the attendees. Up first, we're going to bring you our favorite moments and highlights from the uh, four panelists. We heard from Brent Bellamy, Paul Jordan, Hijab Mitra, and Jamil Mahmood. We'll also hear from multiple attendees of the event, what they hope to get out of the event, and why these conversations are so important to the community. It's a full coverage of Winnipeg, your Winnipeg in 2030, building belonging in our city. We've got that coverage, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360, Nolan and Robert with you today. How are you doing this fine day, Robert, sir? Doing not too badly. Um, I think we could use some warmer temperatures, but at least there's not a whole lot of snow. So I think at this point... We're in April now. Yeah. It's time to... It's time for spring. I think so. Winter's over. Give it up, winter. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Are you sick of it? I think I think we've had quite We're enough good. as far we've as winter enough. goes. <laughs> we've had enough. But it's time to warm up, please. But hopefully that'll happen uh, in the next uh, in the next little bit. Yeah. Nonetheless. Exactly. Today's show is a very cool one. Um, we had a pretty cool event Tuesday night. It was the Your Winnipeg in 2030 event. Uh, a vital conversation, the fourth, I think, vital conversation in total so far. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, really cool um, get together. Basically what happened was a group of panelists that are various architects, city planners, uh, community organization, executive directors got together and just talked about how we want Winnipeg to look in 2030. Uh, it was a really successful event, I thought. A, a lot of people, a lot of the panelists, and a lot of comments from uh, audience members were really thought-provoking and really engaging. It was really cool and just kind of talking about what we can do as a collective we, community, as a collective community can do to make Winnipeg an inclusive and sustainable city by 2030. And then look what's kind of being done in our city to, to get to that point. Um, we were both there. Our uh, senior producer, Sonny Promolo, was there. We got lots of content to cover. But, Robert, I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, what uh, what are you going to take away from that event after sort of experiencing, experiencing it and going through it uh, on Tuesday night? Well, I think the, um, the main takeaway is that there are so many facets to building belonging. And although we do have, uh, we do have a city where there, there is elements of that but we could do so much better um there's a lot that we could do to make our city a lot more inclusive and uh, and make people feel more like they belong um our panelists will reference a variety of different things we're going to talk about we're going to be talk about mobility um in terms of uh transportation we're going to talk about the design of our built spaces we're going to talk about perceptions of neighborhoods and how you know we can maybe start to erase those those lines that divide us um there were a lot of really interesting points you'll hear uh, you'll hear a lot from the panelists uh coming up uh further on in the episode and uh, as well as from some of the attendees because people also brought their own uh perspectives and their own experiences to the event 
And uh, so, yeah, we hope you enjoyed today's program. It'll be interesting to uh, to hear what everyone has to say. And of course, we want to open it up to you as well. Um, what does your Winnipeg look like in 2030? Maybe, you know, grab a pen and paper, jot this number down. And uh, once, once you've finished listening to the show today, give us a call and let us know your thoughts. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Do you agree with the panelists? Let us know uh, at the end of the program today. Again, 204-944-9474, extension 360. Just leave us a message on our listener line. Yeah, so we might as well get to it. Uh, I couldn't have put it better myself. My my partner, partner in crime. We usually kick things off with the song, so uh, why should today be any different? What do you got for us today, Robert? Well, we're talking about uh, we're talking about cities and our, our built environment, and uh, so we're going to start things off with uh, with an energetic tune from the Foundations with "Build Me Up Buttercup" right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we are continuing our conversation about the Winnipeg Foundation's vital conversation, your Winnipeg in 2030. And we're going to start uh, things off by talking a little bit about uh, having some highlights from the panel discussion that took place. Hijab Mitra, architect at Miss Texture, was one of the panelists at the event. She designed Merchant's Corner, the redevelopment of the Merchant's Hotel on Selkirk Avenue, and that's actually set to hold its grand opening later this month. Um, Hijab spoke to how important it was that the redevelopment reflected the community. There was only one vision. And the vision was to change an eyesore to a crown jewel. A jewel that would be the beacon of hope for the future of this community. The community opened its arms to me and welcomed me. And that was the easy part for me through this process. All they asked from me was to create a building that respects the community. For Hijab, the first step in building that reflection of the community was to open a dialogue at a grassroots level. The past, the people, the picture, the plan, the place, and the planet. Architecture cannot do without all these things. It is important for us as human beings to understand that when we create spaces, it's an all-encompassing feature. So when we started this process, we met with thousands of people to ask them what they want and what they don't want in this space. As part of those consultations, Hijab mentioned that a participant at CEDA drew the medicine wheel and told her that the building should be an opportunity for all. So, using the framework of the medicine wheel, she established four pillars, white for elders, yellow for families, red for youth, and black for businesses, and made sure that each community's feedback was reflected in the design process. Another community member told her that she wanted the building to feel safe and protected by the wings of the eagle, so Hijab incorporated that idea into the design of the building. I then decided to take the four pillars and convert it into four feathers of the eagle that would protect this building. Talking to the elders in the community, Stella Blackbird told me this, I want the building to be like a turtle, grounded and protected from the outside and beautiful from the inside. I then took the building and pushed it back to be grounded and protected like the turtle and had an outdoor patio where people and residents would feel protected forever. As the discussion continued and shifted toward perceptions of neighborhoods in Winnipeg, Hijab noted that the community is really who we want our community to be. Before working on Merchant's Corner, she had never set foot in the North End. So, she set out to learn more about the community by going to Selkirk Avenue and taking video at 7.30 in the evening, just to see what happens in the evening and why there is a perception that it's unsafe. My very first day on Selkirk Avenue, I was hit and robbed. And my camera was stolen. <laughs> and I was seven months pregnant. <laughs> and I called my husband saying, oops, I'm on Selkirk Avenue. And he started yelling at me. He's like, what are you doing on Selkirk Avenue you, you know, at this time of the night? And I'm like, if I don't know this community, how would I ever build in this community was my thought. The very person who stole my camera is my friend today. He's been my friend throughout the whole process. I've had people from the street come visit. They wanted to know where I live. And so these people would find out where I live and come and sit on my doorstep to actually thank me with gifts. And so it's our perception of how we view our community. Just talking to people on the street, the RCMP offices wouldn't let me walk 
they would say, you can't get into any home because you won't come out. And I'm like, if I don't go in and if I don't speak to them, how would I even know what the problem is? And I have never had any incident besides the very first one. They've been the most welcoming, happiest people ever. And I can tell you, so if you're afraid of something, go try it out. Don't be afraid and don't judge based on other people's perception. Brent Bellamy, creative director at Number 10 Architectural Group, was another of the panelists. And he spoke about using design to build more belonging and inclusivity in our growing city. One key point that he made was based around mobility and how that topic tends to be focused on cars and commutes. But with the average cost of car ownership being around $9,000 a year, and with one in three Winnipeggers having that cost represent 30% of their net income, not everyone's able to commute by car, and that creates barriers to education and employment. The inner city does have good access to bus routes, the best in the city, actually. But increasingly, the quality of life amenities, the things like community centers, churches, grocery stores, and shopping, are being located on the fringes of the city, designed to be accessed only by car. So I will ask you, would you feel like your city was designed for you if you couldn't even get to the basic quality of life amenities that everyone else takes for granted? Brent also explained that though there is a perception that new buildings are equated to progress, our older buildings represent an opportunity to build more belonging in ways that aren't replicated through new constructions. But consider how many people support their families as business owners in those little buildings. Consider how many people living in the adjacent neighborhood work in those little shops. Low rent allows the corner store guy to open up his own business. Those old buildings create opportunity for ownership, for self-determination, and that's how belonging is established. These shops become the economic engine of the neighborhood and places where social bonds are formed. They create the community. They also provide walkable access to amenities for people living in the neighborhood, part of the mobility discussion I spoke of earlier. And as Winnipeg continues to grow, Brent mentioned that there continues to be a fear of infill development, despite the fact that Winnipeg neighborhoods are 30% less dense than they were in the 1970s. Skyrocketing real estate prices over the last decade have reduced access and affordability to many of Winnipeg's neighborhoods. Infill development can provide affordable living options in these neighborhoods and broader access to the quality of life that they offer. If we want a more socially equitable city, we must not fear new development or higher density. We must welcome infill development that provides access to the amenities and lifestyles that we all deserve. When you oppose new development in your community, you are creating a barrier for someone to access the quality of life that you value. When you oppose a new building, you are telling someone they do not belong in your neighborhood. Thanks, Robert, and thanks to our first two panelists, Hijab Mitra and Brent Bellamy, for uh, obviously taking part in the event on Tuesday night. We've got uh, more highlights from the Your Winnipeg in 2030 panel after our next musical break. We're going to hear from Jamil Mahmoud of the Spence Neighborhood Association, as well as Paul Jordan from the Forks North Portage Partnership. But before we get to those two fine gentlemen, we've got Paul Weston with Together, right here on RC360.
Welcome back to RC360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Before the break, we heard from some of the highlights from half of the panel, and we've got some more highlights from the other half of the panel as well. Paul Jordan, who's the CEO of the Forks North, Port North Portage Partnership, spoke about the basic concept of the event, Your Winnipeg in 2030. Thinking about what Winnipeg will look like in 12 years and how the Forks aims to be the quintessential meeting place for all Winnipeggers. When I was starting to think about 2030, which to me sounds like so far in the future it's it's not real and then you do the math it's like 12 years from now so i go back 12 years that's 2006 i'm going holy smokes 2006 i remember 2006 i don't remember what i was doing but 2006 wasn't that long ago so it's interesting just uh what you can do and how you need to be patient as you create this new age this new community this uh this new way of living and in some ways, it's what the Forks has been trying to do from the very beginning to create this. Our mission statement is to create this meeting place. Uh, and um, that's really what we put everything through. In, 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 that's the filter that we put everything through. And if it doesn't help reinforce that meeting place theme, then we just don't do it. He also spoke about the history of the Forks and how it's been kind of a long process to figure out how to achieve their goal of making the Forks not only a place where people visit and meet, but a place where people plan to live as well. And the whole idea is to create a place where people live, uh, not just put up a building and hope somebody moves in. It's about how do you create a village? How do you create all those things that make you want to actually live there? Uh, what about the schools? What about the shops? What about uh, the recreational spots? What about those, uh, those things that are, are make a village, which is the complete accessibility of everybody and anybody? Uh, how do you make it affordable? How do, you make it, uh, how do you make it accessible? Those are the kind of things we're wrestling with, and uh, I think we've got it right. The Forks has obviously been a meeting place for over 6,000 years, and there are some very old buildings and structures as well. Paul talked about the importance of keeping the Forks updated with new shops and even a market. You know, we're, we're going to be looking at, at, at ways of uh, just what Brent was talking about, old buildings and how do you reuse them. If you look at the Forks Market, the Forks Market was built as a stable, for heaven's sakes, and, and now it, it's a market building 100 years later. So these are the kind of things we're going to be doing uh, with uh, the Via Station, with some of the derelict properties. Um, and at the same time, we have to think about how they're going to become financially sustainable. So there will be these little shops, these little retail components that uh, will be based on a, a market system and uh, will help us not only uh, uh, make this place authentic, but actually uh, help with the, the, the feeling of the, of the whole place. We're really excited to see what the Forks has in store for the upcoming years and the changes that are going to be brought there. And Paul remarked on sort of the timelines for when these changes are going to be implemented. We're going to get started. It'll probably get started next year. Uh, you'll start to see something beginning to happen at the Forks. Uh, and uh, it'll be a place for everybody. It's, uh, it'll be how you put a, a village into a meeting place, uh, which, which is a challenge, but it's, a, it's an exciting challenge. The fourth and final panelist was Jamil Mahmoud. He's the executive director of the Spence Neighborhood Association and friend of the show. You've probably heard him on interviews in weeks past. He's obviously a very hard worker when it comes to helping others in, in our city, and he's been at it for over a decade. Uh, he gave us a little bit of the history of the Spence Neighborhood Association and how it came to be. In Manitoba, we have neighborhood renewal corporations, um, and Spence Neighborhood Association is one of those corporations. There's 13 in the province, and there's five within our city. So... 
these neighborhood renewal corporations were formed by residents. 20 years ago, in 1997, the Spence neighborhood residents started gathering at the soap opera, which is a laundromat on Spence and Sargent, uh, and talking about what they could do to support housing development in the community. From there, they worked with other residents' associations to organize and lobby the government to create the Neighbors Alive program, which funded the neighborhood renewal corporations. When SNA first started, uh, the key to what we wanted to do was develop community-led plans that the work that would happen to revitalize the inner city wouldn't be led by, um, by different foundations or other people that didn't live where the development was happening. So these community plans by the people of the area and for the people of the area are a big part of why Spence is so successful. They empower people of those communities to make their communities better. The key to all of it is community-led development. I'm just going to say that again and again. It makes sure that the voice of the people are in what we do and how we do it. Two years ago, we created our new five-year plan. We knocked on every door in the community, and we were able to get a clear vision for what the residents want to see. On top of door knocking, we also talked to uh, underrepresented populations that we were seeing. Uh, we held focus groups, we held community dreaming sessions, uh, and we just let people dream and, and imagine what their community could be. And then we worked to make a plan that reflected that. Jamil also talked about how in talking to the residents of that community, he learned about new lenses from which to view their work. The lenses that we developed that we heard from residents for how we should work are through a community economic development lens, an anti-colonialism lens, anti-poverty lens, relationship-focused, harm reduction, restorative justice, asset-based, and reconciliation. Spence Neighborhood Association was established over 20 years ago and has been a very important part of building their community and helping the residents of Winnipeg. It'll certainly be a vital piece of the puzzle for Winnipeg all the way in 2030. Thanks again to Jamil and to all the panelists for taking the time out of their busy schedules to speak at the Your Winnipeg in 2030 Building Belonging Vital Conversation. Thanks so much, Nolan. And... Now, to have a vital conversation, the most important aspect is the community feedback, and we were lucky to speak with many different attendees from Tuesday night's event. That's right. A little later on in the program, we're going to be joined via telephone by Brad Muller. He's the Engagement and Research Specialist at Blueprint at Blueprint Inc. Uh, he was actually just one of the participants and attendees of the event, but he's working on his master's in city planning as well, so he was a great conversation to be had there. But uh, before we get to that, our very own Sonny Primolo was able to speak with uh, multiple attendees from all over the city to get their reactions to the Your Winnipeg in 2030 Building Belonging in Our City event. But even before that, we've got a song to break up the, break up the chatter a little bit. Uh, how about some Sammy Davis Jr. with At the Crossroads. You're listening to River City 360. Here I stand at the crossroads of life, childhood behind me, the future to come and alone. Nothing planned at the crossroads of life But life will find me more grateful Than some it has known Grateful to see all the wonderful things I see Grateful to be what life expects me to be So I stand at the crossroads of life This way or that way, which way shall I go? 
toward the left or the right, toward the day or the night, toward the dark or the light. Only my heart can know. Only my heart can Expects me to be so. I stand at the crossroads of life. This way or that way, which way shall I go? Toward the left or the right? Toward the day or the night? Toward the dark or the light? Only my heart can know. Only my heart can know. That was Sammy Davis Jr. with At the Crossroads. Nolan and Robert here. You're listening to River City 360. Speaking of At the Crossroads, Winnipeg is kind of at a crossroads in that we need to sort of start planning our city and what it's going to look like in 10, 20 years from now or in 2030. We've got Sonny Permolo, our senior producer here at RC360, in his on his way into the studio, and he's going to share some of the comments that attendees at the event shared with him after the event concluded on Tuesday night. Sonny? Thanks, Nolan. The vital conversation, Building Belonging, Your Winnipeg in 2030, was a great night filled with amazing panelists and even better community discussions. Hearing the opinions of people from different sectors of the city, as well as some of the future concepts our city has to look forward to, really opened my eyes to endless possibilities, and it really does start with discussions like the one we had just last night. After the event, I wanted to get the opinion of someone who could eventually be planning our city's future, so I spoke with Alex Manjivar, who is a Master of City Planning student at the University of Manitoba, and here's what he had to say about the event. My name is Alex Manjivar. I'm a city, Master of City Planning student at the University of Manitoba. I think the biggest takeaway from here is that what we, what we learn, in, especially in, in, in my perspective in city planning and in what we learn in class, is that it's what we want and what we're envisioning for the city is a is very in line with what everybody here was wanting. Um, so to have a safe environment uh, that has active streets um, is not something that you know that we we ideally would like, but it's also what we've con or what I've constantly heard uh, throughout this event. Um, you know, a, a space that's that's has a lot of activity uh, that promotes different kinds of lifestyles in uh, the single space, and that it's inclusive to everybody. I also wanted to get the views of people from different areas of the city. From West Kildonan, I spoke with Mary Lou Mendro, who told me about her group's discussion on reconciliation. I was impressed that there was such a range of different people represented here today, some intellectuals, uh, some neighborhood people. Uh, I thought the presentations were very, very good. Um, what I took away was that uh, Winnipeg does have a lot to offer. There's a lot of variety, there's a lot of history here, and um, I think building the whole concept of uh, a sense of belonging and sense of reconciliation and remembering the past and moving forward is, is something that's really worthwhile. We 
basically did have a consensus that reconciliation, a big part of reconciliation is through conversation and discussions and etc. I think one of the things that I also felt was important for the reconciliation is uh, acknowledging that there were mistakes making it made in the past and not just kind of brushing over it but recognizing that some serious things have happened there's been some serious results that we need to address and, and we need to build into the future also on the area of reconciliation was peter dearborn a resident of the exchange he shared his opinion on merchant's corner and what he feels we should do towards reconciliation my area of interest in attending is is the area of reconciliation um, and so the one thing I'll take away is the need in the future to plan to have spaces or facilities that bring Indigenous and non-Indigenous together. Actually, not just for a chat, but to build relationships and to have, gain a better understanding. And that can happen uh, tonight through some of the things I've heard in terms, of, um, in, in terms of some buildings and open spaces in the city of Winnipeg. I was shocked at the progress on the... Uh, on the on the change to the to the whole to the hotel on Selkirk Avenue, what they've done there is just is is shocking, and um, I wasn't even entirely aware of the significance of that change to that building. And the architect was here and was one of the panel uh, members that told us about it. I would like Winnipeg to break down some of the barriers between Indigenous and non-Indigenous, in terms of the segregation that's still there, in terms of the. Uh, in terms of the, the lack of equal opportunity or the opposite of that, uh, in terms of building spaces where Indigenous and non-Indigenous can be in relationship and gain understanding through conversation, uh, some of those kinds of things. Um, the segregation is, is significant, um, I think, um, and the lack of opportunity for some of the poorest people of the city, particularly the Indigenous uh, uh, population of Winnipeg, they don't have the same opportunities that other many of the other people in Winnipeg have. And I, I'd really love to see that change by the year 2030. Sustainability was a focus with the event last night. And on that topic, I spoke with a gentleman named Murray from the Wolseley area who spoke to us about what he would like to see in our city's core by 2030. Here's what he had to say. It takes more than half an hour to accurately and meaningfully get people's opinions, uh, although it's worth it to get people talking. I think that like our discussion about food, how we produce food, how we consume food together um, could definitely be more a part of this. Um, like professional, professionally run uh, urban gardens, uh, like preferably smack dab in the middle of the city that are that actually employ, you know, soil scientists, uh, agronomists, people who are collaborating to make uh, quality fresh produce available to people um, downtown and sort of bring our means of production a little closer to home. I also had an opportunity to speak with a gentleman who is originally from California, Preston Lindsay, who now lives in South Winnipeg. He talked about his discussion on well-being and how we stand up socially compared to the rest of the world. My name is Preston Lindsay. This, this event is facilitating, it looks like the right kind of right kind of conversations like um, we talked about in my group well-being and what actually promotes well-being and they all everyone spoke about the right kind of things like light access and access to nature 
and organized complexity within a building and road and all of that. And so we're starting to have those conversations now, which is, which is nice. Uh, decades behind, but nice. Actually, Winnipeg is ahead of the curve in a lot of social things. Uh, I thought I was taking one for the team when I moved here, but socially, uh, Winnipeg is well ahead of the curve when it comes to actually implementing things for the right reasons. And so, particularly, just as, as an example, in, in Los Angeles, within the United States in general, there's a, everything's been commodified There's a, because of hyper-capitalist culture that is well known to be going on down in the States. Um, but here, I had culture shock because I actually came and people were kind because they were kind. There was no, nothing behind it. And you see that in a lot of the social programs and you see that in a lot of the way people just interact on the street with each other. They are kind because that's culturally what, who they are and how that's been structured. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Last but not least, I spoke with Barry Copeless, who lives in our downtown. He spoke of misconceptions of certain areas of the city, as well as the inclusion of youth and indigenous people in the future planning of our city. I've lived in downtown ever since I moved to the city, 35 years ago. I want to learn more why people don't want to come downtown. And even they also say the North End is unsafe. Well, I've been in the North End many times. I feel safe in the North End. So I, we need to get rid of these misconceptions. Downtown's unsafe and North End's unsafe too. Great things are happening in North End Winnipeg. Th this is Treaty 1 territory we're on, so they probably need to involve in a bigger way the indigenous people that are all a part of the city and the whole city because we're on Treaty 1 territory. So maybe in the future events they need to bring more indigenous people into the city, even young people, that's be a good point too, right? Bring more youth. Youth is going to be the future leaders of our country, right? So why not bring youth into this event? Events like Vital Conversations, Building Belonging, Your Winnipeg in 2030 is a really great way for Winnipeggers to really share their opinions and help build towards the future of our city. I just really hope that we have more events and discussions like this in the future. Thanks, Sonny. Hearing from community members is obviously a very important part of these vital conversations, and we really appreciate hearing the feedback from attendees at these events. I also spoke with Charles Sear, and his group discussed well-being, with a focus on making streets more livable spaces as opposed to strictly car-oriented thoroughfares. It was interesting because we started talking about what kind of building space makes you feel good or, or not, and then when we got to talking about not feeling good, we immediately started talking about the streets and Confusion Corner and the places in the streets that, that are uncomfortable places to be. It's for anybody not in a car, right? They're so built for a car. And that, and I, I mean, I find it shocking that the people who plan buildings put so much thought into making places livable, but the people who plan streets aren't the least bit concerned about whether it's livable or not. It's all about getting the cars through. Emily Halderson is a city planning student at the University of Manitoba, and she was interested in the discussion based on her own experiences living in the North End community, where she feels a sense of belonging. And it was actually those who lived in more suburban communities around our table who talked about not feeling like they belonged in, in their community. So although we talked about, um, you know, perceptions of crime or you know, being unsafe in areas like the North End, 
that was not really truly how people felt. It was more of a you know perception of, of people that they they knew or something. But uh, there were spa- there are spaces in the you know central neighborhoods of Winnipeg where you can visit, and um, we talked a lot about front porches and and sidewalks and those kind of spaces where you can just informally run into your friends or or neighbors. So that was a nice conversation that we had tonight. At her group's table discussion, Emily mentioned that someone at her table was working on a laneway housing project that built belonging in a few of the different ways that the panelists talked about. He's working actually with a, a gang exit program. So this is working with guys who are coming out, want to leave a gang, and they're trying to actually create a social enterprise for these folks. Because as I actually know from, from people that I've worked with, uh, it's really difficult to find a job and you have a criminal record and this is incredibly challenging and uh, so he was talking about this particular project that they're creating around um, a social enterprise for these men to create these small housing options and uh, so it serves a few purposes one is employment for these guys who you know have a really difficult time finding it and also it's it's kind of breaking down this traditional view about housing and you know we shouldn't have these kinds of little backyard suites or things like that it's kind of the the type of thing i'd like to see more of i think in our city thanks again to all of the attendees at the vital conversation you are winnipeg in 2030 for sharing your perspectives and experiences Coming up after the break, we'll be joined via telephone by Brad Muller. He's the Engagement and Research Specialist at Blueprint, Inc. But before we get to that, we have another song for you. Here is Louis Prima with Wonderland by Night, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell with you here today, and we're now joined via telephone by Brad Muller. He is the Engagement and Research Specialist with Blueprint Inc., and he was also one of the attendees at the Winnipeg in 2030 event on Tuesday night. Brad, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to talk to you because uh, I was actually sitting in on the conversation about reconciliation during the breakout sessions, and you were very well-spoken and had a lot to say just about Winnipeg's development in general, but maybe just back up a little bit and give us a little bit of, uh, of your history and, and kind of what you do with Blueprint, Inc. Um, yeah, so this, I kind of come at reconciliation from, from two places, and um, through some of my work with Blueprint, it's a, definitely a topic that as a small budding firm that they're looking at to uh, engage and incorporate into all the work that we do because it's it's crucial in, in any conversation that happens uh, across the city. And uh, also through my, my master's program, the city planning master's program, where my thesis topic is on incorporating reconciliation into uh, urban design. And so looking at an indigenous advisory committee and whether or not that's an effective method for um, planning a space um, or if it if it falls into a category of tokenism, or mm-hmm. you know if there's lessons to be learned from some of the case studies out there. So it seemed like kind of a perfect storm for your your expertise and your discussion at the event uh, on Tuesday night. Maybe talk a little bit about the importance of indigenous-led and indigenous-designed spaces when it comes to city planning and when it comes to how Winnipeg ought to be uh, uh, focused on. Yeah, so it was a, it was a great discussion had by all and there's so much great insight and I think that's something that's important to earmark is that not indigenous myself and that this conversation um, you know while I I can try and focus on and research how to be an ally um, right really it's I believe that a lot of this needs there just needs to be a transfer of control and involvement mm-hmm. that we can't really achieve reconciliation until we respect a nation-to-nation um, relationship and we kind of relinquish this colonial control that we have over so many of our mechanisms. So planning is one. Um, how we plan, organize, understand, design space is definitely something that we need to involve not just indigenous people into, but every culture and, and, and the fullest diversity that we offer in Winnipeg because we get better space, better um, better results. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's there's different mechanisms to do this and, and different ways to do this, but Specifically looking at reconciliation with Indigenous people, I think that uh, it involves really a handing over of the control, management, and uh, design of space or, or programs or buildings or neighborhoods. Sure. Yeah, sure. and so handing over as in like, we're not just going to reach out to you as a, as a regular stakeholder. We recognize that this is Treaty 1, uh, Treaty 1 land and home of the Métis Nation and what that kind of means as far as engagement and, and moving forward, not the regular stakeholder relationship, but more of a, a heightened reconcil- like a, a heightened nation-to-nation type of relationship, I think. Would you say more of a partnership then, or, or is it different in, like, is yeah, that the word to use? I think, I think partnership is, is, is a word that can be, that can be used in, in a lot of, a lot of these scenarios that we, that I mentioned, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, there is kind of like a conversation around stakeholder and what that exactly means. Um, and, yeah, it's framing it in more of a partnership idea where we, we're sharing this space and we're sharing these decisions uh, is, is a much healthier way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so what was the, what were you hoping to get from the uh, event la- um, on Tuesday night, and what, what did you sort of walk away thinking after the event was over? Uh, we try and get out to as many community events as we can, and, and so hoping to get out of it, I just wanted to, to meet some people and, and to hear about some of these trends. Um, and what I walked away with was uh, there are so many great opportunities to change perception there's great numbers behind the reality that, you know, for instance, most people don't actually think downtown is not that, that unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's maybe like a, a large or a small group of very loud people. Yeah. And that's kind of standard for a lot of the uh, discourse that happens in today's society. Hey, it seems like the, the fringe is the loudest. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was empowering to have this, uh, this book of fantastic statistics that were, that were saying, actually, no, you know what, that's not the case. And um, the panelists were, gave great insight on, you know, Jamil gave great insight from my favorite association on lenses, like something that I could bring back to my work. I need to apply the lens of, you know, reconciliation to the work. That's, and that's something that we're trying to do here at Blueprint, is applying the lens of reconciliation to all of the work that we right. do and our internal policy, or applying the, le- the lens of, you know, celebration, like, you know, there's some great stuff happening in Winnipeg. We should be celebrating it, not just, you know, engaging in on finding input or, um, or, or require like you know me- workshops or meetings. It, it should be, it should be a celebration. It should be creative. So mm-hmm. it was, I definitely I was scribbling notes furiously and and uh, furiously and, and took away a lot from from the session. Great to hear. Um, so, for the average person who's not you know a city planning master's. Uh, doing their thesis just for the average person who's kind of like well what can i do to improve winnipeg and i want to make it better what would you say to that person who's just listening on the radio and's like you know what do i do it, it seems like an insurmountable thing what are some small baby steps that the average joe can can do so this is a great thing about planning like you know there's kind of two different discussions i have on it there's like this technical, higher-up, academic ivory tower kind of discussion that can happen. But then there's the everyday discussion that people are having all the time. People mm-hmm. are, everyone's a planner. We're always planning our space, planning our neighborhood, planning, you know, how we're going to move through and use different different areas. Um, so I think in that regard, the fact that we're all planners, something that we could, we could a takeaway that we can definitely all do, achieve is create discussions, create exposure, talk to Talk to somebody you know who is first na- from a First Nation community or who is Indigenous that living in the city, and you know don't. It's not necessarily like a probe them on answers for questions. It's like, hey, what did you think about this project? Or you know, what did uh, what what does this this particular thing mean to you? Because the more we have those conversations, the more the more we both understand each other as well as respect that that type of relationship. For instance, I was you know talking about the PS, the public safety building a lot uh, this summer, mm-hmm. and something came up that nobody really identified, um, and it was the the fact that the public safety building is <clears throat> associated to incarceration, like high rates of incarceration, mm-hmm. and a lot of Indigenous people are associating that space to that, where a lot of other people weren't, and so right. just by mere having that conversation, talking to somebody, it was. We are we are enlightened, better off for it. Yeah, it seems so simple, but that's what I'm here. That's what I heard last night, and that's what I'm hearing all the time when we have these community conversations. Is that conversation, communication, and education is a great first step on getting people to understand what needs to get done. You know, you can communicate and educate, and then you can get some action after that. 
yeah, flush it out. And I feel like that's what yesterday was about too. It's just talking about this so we can start cultivating ideas and moving forward. Very well said. Well, I thank you very much for talking to us about your experience at the Winnipegan 2030 Building Belonging event that took place last night. Uh, Brad, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for talking to us today. No problem. Thanks a lot, Noah. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nolan, and thanks again to Brad Muller from Blueprint, Inc. for speaking with us today. We've got time for some more music today, so uh, in keeping with our keeping with our city theme, the idea of belonging, here is uh, Chicago with Saturday in the Park right here on River City 360.
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you for all of our guests for talking to us and everyone who attended the Your Winnipeg in 2030 event on Tuesday night. Absolutely. And don't forget, we want to hear from you as well. We want you to join the conversation about our city's inclusivity, belonging, and sustainability and how we can meet those goals in 2030. If you think about it, 2030 is not that far from now. It's 2018, so only 12 years. I mean, if you think about it, 12 years ago was only 2000, was 2006. Wow. And that seems relatively, relatively close. So lots to think about uh, for the next 12 years. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call. Again, our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us feedback about that topic about the show itself if there's a song you'd like to hear you can give us a request again the number to call is 204-944-9474 extension 360 you can also find us on twitter and facebook by searching at river city 360 on the twitter machine or just river city 360 on facebook as well i'm nolan bicknell signing off for river city 360 and i'm robert zirk thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next week have a great day and a great weekend